0: That's the power of the backstab. 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 Hello and welcome to the Garbanzo Beancast, episode 29. I am quite late to this episode. I had a bunch of questions asked um, about a a month ago, and I had been intending to answer the questions and do a podcast, and then a bunch of stuff kind of got in the way, and I didn't have really time to do it, so here we are. Um, there's been a lot been going on. I'm starting to get sick. I am going to be going on vacation for a week for Fourth of July, which is a, a standard thing that I do. So won't be on much. To do that to do or to do much of anything on the SHL. So I kind of got to get all my ducks in a row before then. Um, the regular season has begun. This is going to be. If you can't tell already, this is gonna be kind of just like a me shooting off the from the hip. Normally, I try to prepare stuff, but right now I'm just a little not flabbergasted, but just out of sorts, trying to get everything taken care of here. Um, actually, I had a pretty nice Saturday though, so um, despite my flabbergastedness, I did not have a bad day. I did. The exact opposite. I had a good day. Um, But yeah, the SHL season has begun for season 48. There is some stuff I want to talk about with the casino that's been implemented. Um, There's a couple things that I thought that I had to just kind of bring up. Um, I guess the one thing that I've been doing lately, other than working out of my mind, is playing stardew valley which is a game for the pc and the switch i believe i don't know if it's for the ps4 or the three or the xbox one but um it's an open world rpg that is very similar to animal crossing which is where you start a farm and talk to people in the in the town that you live in and have it and do little activities and there's like four seasons and all this other jazz and I bought it a while ago and didn't really get into it because it was just—it was one of those games where it's like too open-ended, and I have no idea what I'm doing, so it's hard for me to get focused. And I played it for a little bit, didn't like it, left it a lot alone for a few months, and then I finally kind of got back in on it, just like, hey, I'll give it a try again. And then something just kind of clicked, and I just immediately enjoyed it. And have been playing it pretty much nonstop, as much as I've been, as much as I have been tr- able to. And if you're interested in a new playing a new game or anything like that, I would recommend trying that out. Um, but other than that, um, I don't really want to go through all of the teams and know where they're at the standings. I'll get kind of discussing that a little bit in the casino because I want to kind of see how the bets are going and I have a couple at least one question related to it this will probably be pretty short just to kind of touch base with those of you who have been wondering why I haven't been doing a podcast which apparently I actually have people who are interested in this podcast there was a uh, on the discord we have a for those of us who do podcasts we have a discord And people are talking about how I owe everybody a Discord because I told everybody that I was going to be gone for a week or I was going to be off work for a week, so I didn't really have an excuse. So here we are. Um, And I'm going to try to keep it as simple and to the point as I can. I don't want to meander too much because um, I think that my meandering podcasts are significantly worse than ones that just kind of get to the point and get stuff discussed. So... um, I uh, don't even know where the questions began. I guess it starts with Zach Evans, who talked about the Hall of Fame ceremony, which is, has been well overdone. Um, so in this re- most recent Hall of Fame ceremony, we had, I think, what was it, two? Or was it three? We had two inductees, which doesn't happen all that often. Typically, you have three um that's the standard a lot of the times we've had four um but this season there was kind of one guy who was the go-to pick for number 1 and got all but one ballot was first place vote and that was Zach Evans with he had 90 something points 95 points I think out of a potential 100 and then Big is and D and so Zach asks, with this year's Hall of Fame ceremony now behind us, talk about how the defenseman inducted was awesome and the Ford inducted was a piece of shit. It's actually an interesting discussion because um, I've been at odds with a few members on the site. Uh, A couple of them, not necessarily at odds, but um, I know there's a disagreement of opinion with the big slappy hour with regards to Big Manius and his place in the hall. I have always been of the opinion that if he doesn't get in on a first ballot, then there's nothing wrong with that, and I think that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I think that some guys wait, and I think that in Manius's case, that was... I think that should have been too expected. Manius is one of those guys who doesn't have the big, big numbers, but he was an all-around top-tier defenseman. I think he was a very high... Hitting defenseman, a lot of shot blocks, and he's actually a pretty decent goal scorer, as far as I recall. Uh, crap, Bojo still has to Bojo still hasn't fixed uh, Manius's spelling. He fixed it to the wrong spelling with the O U S instead of the U S. But Manius finished his career playing almost a thousand games, one hundred eighty-seven goals, five hundred eighty-four points. So he didn't hit the six hundred point mark, which is one of those where if you pass 600 points you're like a lock regardless of how many games you played but if you play over a certain threshold i think that you kind of got to get up there in offense and manius wasn't the most gifted offensive defenseman at least as if we we're talk we're-, we're also comparing manius to the top tier we're not talking about manius with regards to all the defensemen in the league because manius put himself above most if not almost all of the defensemen in the league of those who he played against when he played and he had an incredible career so that's not what I'm trying to do here I'm just trying to kind of explain context that there are reasons why he didn't stand out as much in the voting and I think that now that he's in he's in and we get to talk about what kind of player he was how great he was and there's no qualifiers there it's just he was a great player I mean you look at his hits he had uh, twenty three hundred hits which is among all players what is he rank he is fifteenth all time which is impressive I don't know if where he's at as far as the hits per game but he still had an impressive career as far as the physicality shot blocks he had twelve hundred which is still pretty pretty darn impressive even though as a defenseman ugh, Excuse me. He, it's not, you know, as impressive. But either way, I mean, Manius has had a, a, an incredible career. And comparing him to Zach Evans is, you know, I understand it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing, but um, I can't compare the two directly because they're completely two completely different players. Especially since Zach Evans was one of those more high-powered offensive types. I mean, you look at Evans, let's look at his numbers here. <clears throat> played only 700 games but had 633 points which is a pretty decent point per game. He had 1100 hits in his career so it's above average. That's not, you know, one of the most biggest power forwards. I think he has a Dar trophy if I recall although now I'm not entirely sure. Seems like he th- yeah, he has a Jeff Dar trophy from season 38. He's um definitely had the one big year in season 38 where he was the first all-star team, Sergei Karpatsov Trophy, Jeff Dar, Sarmad Khan, and Mexico nominee. Um, but even with just that one peak season, he was pretty darn consistent. I mean, you look at his numbers from his like third season on, 48 points, 58, 51, 65, 47, 53, 62, 45, 45, 45, and 49. So he could have even played longer than he did. He had retired almost earlier than one would expect considering he had, how many, like, 13, or sorry, not 13, 11 straight 40-plus point seasons, which a lot of players, you know, can't really do that, especially in the more modern era. And I think both of these guys deserve their due, and I'm very happy to have them alongside Garbanzo and everybody else in the Hall of Fame, so... I understand that this was kind of, you know, the, the question was tongue-in-cheek, but you're getting a genuine response that I think you guys both did an amazing job and made great players. And looking forward to seeing how little, Lil Manius and Nikolai Evans do, especially since Nikolai Evans is in my draft class. So I'll be directly competing with him through the remainder of our careers. And I'm curious to see how that works, especially since Garbanzo was a defenseman and canlini is a forward while Zach Evans was a forward, and Nikolai Evans is now a defenseman, and maybe it's a contest. Maybe if uh, Nikolai Evans has a better defenseman than Garbanzo, then he's the uh, superior uh, player builder. So, no pressure, Evans, for those, for if you're uh, listening to this, which I would assume you are. Also, I need to finish your most recent podcast. I listened to a little bit of it. Um, there's so many podcasts, I'm trying to like listen to a little bit each time, trying to sample and so I at least have an idea of what people are talking about and if they ask questions I can comment on their podcast a little bit but um, this last week getting ready for this week off has been a pain in my ass but Evans thank you for the question I really appreciate it alright next is um, from Mike Izzy who asks hi Arger Uh, talk about what went into your decision to change the illustrious top 100 list from the algorithm to a group of people voting. And without giving anything away, how has that, that change played out in this season's list? Well, the biggest thing was, I initially did voting because that was how it was done before. When was the who was the founder of the Top 100, started it, he had people vote. And they did voting in a by a score of five. So you had you went from one to five. If you were a one, you were basically like not uh, either you weren't an SHL player or you weren't you're a very low tier SHL player. If you were a five, you were the best of the best. And they did that until I took up the mantle and I don't remember exactly what point I did, but it's at one point, I don't know if it was even the first season, that I bumped it from five to ten because I thought five Attribute points was not enough. There's, I mean, especially since if you only have five tiers, the tiers can have varying degrees of. Uh, how would I define this? Like the the tiers would be is these from voter to voter would vary greatly. So a number four for one voter would potentially be a number three for one or a number five for another. And I think that with only that with only five you're not getting an accurate representation of what people think of the players. So I went I moved that up to ten. Because I think, you know, ten, nine, eight, you know we generally have a fair understanding of that scale because we use that with you know grading. An A is a nine or a ten. A B is an eight, C is a seven, D is six, and an F is a five or below. So to speak. I mean that's a simplification because Many different places have different grading, but I thought that would be a simple way for people to understand like top tier guys a ten. Nine nine is a guy who's just about there, but not quite eight, you know, further on and yada yada yada. And then from that I thought that it would make more sense to at least from what what I had seen from the the voters, is there was still a very varying degree of consistency based on what people thought was a 10 and a 9 and etc. So I bumped that up from 10 to 100 to kind of emulate the, or not 10 to 100, I'm sorry, 10 to 99 to emulate the NHL rating system, which is another thing that people are generally familiar with, at least if they're in a sports-related sim. I think most, if not all of the people who are in the community, or at least would vote in the top 100, would be familiar with. EA, sports, whether it's NHL or anything else. And I think that had pretty decent success. Moderate success, at least. But then, over time, I was not getting voters. I was getting two voters, three voters, four voters. I was having to do votes for my, like myself, which is something that it was very difficult to do with voting, organizing, and then finally writing down everything, which before i automated it like at least the i put it all on a spreadsheet i had to manually look up each player see where they last left off and then manually input every single code to bring the colors that you've seen in the past and then because of that i tried to find a way to streamline the process and that's where the automation came in so the automation was actually a last ditch effort to keep the top 100 going and it was not because I thought the algorithm would be better than human beings voting on it. Just that I thought the algorithm would take less time, it would be less of a hassle, and I wouldn't have to worry about hounding people to bring me ballots. Which is something that, regardless of what job you're in, if somebody's having to submit a ballot or provide you with anything, and they're like not the, the head of it, at least one person's going to take their time or procrastinate, which is, it's the nature of the beast. It's just people do that. People if are going to procrastinate on stuff, especially if it's considered an obligation and not something they're really wanting to do. So the algorithm was not what I wanted to happen. So when the historian job came up, I used that as an opportunity to jumpstart the voting, the human voting element back into it. And so I use that to hire people and actually pay them money to vote instead of just having people vote out of the goodness of their hearts, which is a pain. Because people don't like to do busy work on a sim-related site generally for free. Most of the time. There's a few people who do. I've done that before. I do a lot of stuff just because I enjoy it. But I can't expect most people to do that. So you got to give them a monetary incentive, and which is why I brought the human element back into it and then um, Killington what the hell is his username um, made good points about the fact that without the human element you can't really have much of a discussion because the algorithm is the algorithm sure you can discuss about what I think is important with the algorithm what's not but at the end of the day if the algorithm There's no real bias that you can really rail against or say, hey, why did this guy get this or that? It's like, well, that's just what the points were. And I think that my algorithm was never perfect, and I think that trusting on one person to develop an algorithm that's truly fair is not... It's not, I'm not going to say wise, but it's not prudent, I guess, would be the correct term. So, in... So I hope that answers your question. I just, I tried to give you a frame of reference of how this all came to be and why we're at the posi- place where our, we are now. now. <clears throat> I think so far it's been fine. I think it's played out fine. Um, I'm no longer going to be doing media with regards to the Top 100. I, I don't have the time to write. And I try to get people in the Top 100 voting to do writing, but they didn't ha- really have much interest in doing it all that much either. One guy did probably like... 40 players, and that was it. I I couldn't be bothered to do it. So, you're not going to see it in media, you're going to see it like in an SHL announcements. And I'm going to try to implement it in the history section potentially. But um, before I do that, I want to kind of get my ducks in a row with that and see if I can get do the algorithm with previous seasons and get top 100 from like season five until season. 19 I think is when we where we don't have a top 100 voting. And then at least we can track, you know, who the top 100 voters are. I'm doing a, a actually I'm doing a, an Excel spreadsheet that shows what what point in each player's career they got into the top 100, what where they voted, where they were voted and how many top 10, top 5 finishes they had, which would be interesting for people to see just how the top 100 has evolved and one thing I'm noticing with the top 100 is the fact that players now are entering the top 100 much later than they used to. Like Urbanzo was like season his third season, and now if you're going to get in your third season, you're going to be maybe a one-off just because of the fact that it's so much more competitive now. It's almost unfair for new players because nobody's going to hit like the maximum top 100, top 10 rankings, which is I think like 13 in a career. And it's nobody's fault except for the fact that the League is much more popular than it was when I started. But at least gives context and something that maybe somebody will be interested in. Maybe not. Um, I know it was a little meandering, Izzy, but I hope I answered your question uh, well enough. But And thank you for the question. Uh, keep up the good work with the casino and doing the stuff that you do on the site. Because even though we've had disagreements and I have had little rants against you, um, against not against you, but rants with regards to some things that I've disagreed with as far as um, your specific decisions. The fact that you put yourself out there to make bold decisions is something that this league needs desperately, and I hope you continue doing that. All right, next we have Slappy Doodle, who asks uh, about the Minnesota tappering decision, which, <clears throat> again, this is a while back. This is 22 days ago. Would it be in the suspension's punishments? Minnesota Chiefs appeal. So, for those of you who don't know or don't remember, um, Minnesota Chiefs had a tampering charge put against them because Daco, who is no longer with us because he ghosted the entire league, um, as a co-GM, he sent a bunch of tags to um, some restricted free agents who were all part of the Buffalo Stampede's roster, and he did so publicly in order to avoid a tampering charge, but did so specifically to Buffalo to basically probably get a reaction, or to be a dick. I don't know exactly. We don't know because he's not around anymore. And because of that, the Minnesota Chiefs organization was levied a tampering charge, which is <clears throat> removal of, like, what, three first-round picks... Big budget fine, DACO's suspended, DACO's fined, banned for management, etc. And so I was very frustrated with that because I thought that it was a mistake to try to find ways to make this tampering charge work instead of seeing if it worked and then leveling a the t- punishment based on the crime. And they definitely... Removed a lot of the bite from the punishment. They only lost one first round pick. They were fined ten million. Can't can't-signed, active free agents, which I don't know how they ended up doing it, but you know whatever. Um, Daka was suspended from his rookie season. He was spanned for management, and Dhaka was fined ten million dollars. That's fine it, as far as my reaction to that. I mean, I. I Slappy ass, was justice done? And I think... Yeah, probably. I think... um One thing I mentioned, I applied for the, the head office, didn't uh, get in, but one of the things that I had mentioned was the fact that we need a don't-be-an-asshole rule. Which is, gives the head office a little bit of leeway to point at somebody and say, listen, you're being an asshole, so we're going to punish you in some way, shape, or form. Because you're... Clearly trying to push the envelope and give us, you know, a reason to start a controversy. Almost like daring us to punish you. And I think some kind of rule like that would be important because there's no lawyer. Like, there's, nobody's a lawyer here. I mean, maybe somebody's is a lawyer in real life, but we don't have lawyers doing our rulebook. So there's always little things that are going to get missed. People are going to abuse and exploit and I think that having a rule that says, listen, it might not be against the rules, but you're clearly doing this either to get a rise out of people, to get a reaction, or you're trying to skirt the, the rules as much as you can to cheat as much as you can. Then, you know, you got to get punished and say, yeah, we're, we're not going to accept that. This is about the spirit of the, the community and the league and you're violating that. And I think that's something that hopefully the head office will maybe look at. Maybe with the applications that the head office looked at, they will take some of those ideas that other applicants had into consideration. But I don't know. So either way, I think justice was done, so to speak. I think Minnesota really should have been punished that harshly. I think even losing a first-round pick, it's just like, I don't know. Um, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over. I'm not going to freak out over it. it. It is what it is, and it's... I don't even know if I... Did I comment on this? I probably did, saying, oh, this is dumb. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then your uh, second question is, what is your favorite outdoor summer activity? Mm, that one's a difficult one. I used to play baseball back in the day. Don't play baseball anymore. Um, I like to play, like... um. It's not cricket. Backgammon. That's a fun game. Backgammon. Is it backgammon? What's the game with the um, big like marble balls and you hit them with a sledgehammer through wickets? You have to like do it through a course, and if you hit somebody's ball, then you can like knock their ball away from the play. That's a fun game. Um, swimming's a lot of fun. I also like to go fishing. I don't have a f- I don't think I have a one favorite thing. There's a lot of stuff. One of my friends. Um, actually comes to we're going cuz I go to a cottage uh in 4th of July week uh week and I have a friend who I grew up with who actually grew up with up there who I play hockey with now and he bought himself a couple jet skis so we jet ski around the the lake that the cottage is on and that's a lot of fun um so yeah I can't really think of I can't decide between any of those potential options <clears throat> but um, Slappy thank you very much for the questions I really appreciate it and I look forward to listening to your next big Slappy hour your stuff is always good and there's a reason why you guys are considered the best in the business next we have Toivo. Toyvo who asks? Toivo has a podcast. I haven't listened to your podcast. What is your podcast? Podcast by Toivo. I need to. I asked a question, but I need to listen. I again, I haven't had a lot. I, I know it's not an excuse, but I've been trouble having time to listen to podcasts. But, anyways, Toivo asks because of one of your podcasts. I tried a White Russian for the first time and really enjoyed it. Ugh. Lately, I've been mixing vodka with water in meal flavors, thanks to a tip from JT3. Any recommendations for other drinks? I don't really have good recommendations. My biggest go-to is some kind of mixer and, like, cherry soda. Problem is, the cherry soda is very highly caffeinated. Which means that you're getting, like, a an upper and a downer in one cocktail, which is a dangerous combination because you don't realize like how much you're drinking until you go to bed and then you're like wow I you know had a lot to drink because you're not tired you know when you drink beer or something like you get kind of sleepy whereas when you drink something that's caffeinated you don't and with somebody who doesn't really have a very large palate when it comes to alcoholic beverages I don't drink. I don't have a very wide variety of selections. Um, Other than that, I can't really think of much of anything. I know um, one thing never to drink is tequila and some kind of soda. The worst thing I've ever tasted. I actually had a, uh, I think I had a Moscow Mule at one point, which was not too bad. Um, And there was something, I've had something before, what is it? Um. Yeah, I don't know too much. Um Don't I'm not really somebody to give you really good advice on that kind of stuff, so unfortunately that's really the best I can give you as far as those recommendations. Um but thank you for the question. I really appreciate it. Maybe uh next time I'll have some better suggestions for uh cocktails for you. Um, and then, uh, we get Slappy again, who, uh, just can't help but ask me questions, because he's just dying to know what I have to say. If you want, Slappy, you can come onto the podcast, and, uh, we can, uh, talk shit about Bonk together. Think about it. (laughs) Anyways, he asks, "'Your own thoughts on the casino. What bets did you make? What tweaks could be made in future seasons?' I'm going to start with the last question first, before I get into the nitty-gritty of it, because this is one of those ones where the casino would be one of the most amazing things ever if we actually, like, could get dedicated people to do analytics and figure out how to do, like, real betting, like, between prop bets or bets that change based on how many people are betting into certain things because Izzy's one guy the fact that he brought this casino thing up in the first place and actually like implemented it is awesome in itself because he did it in a way that people engaged with because we had a casino we had a casino like a betting thing I feel like two years ago at least and it was enjoyed somewhat but eventually just kind of petered out but the way Izzy set it up has the potential to actually like be really, really impactful and give people something to focus on with the league. The only problem is is that when it comes to bets, to making bets that really make you think which bet to make, I don't know if one person's really necessarily equipped to do all of that. Because Izzy did odds based on Stanley Cup winners or Challenge Cup winners for all 16 teams. So he had to put all 16 teams in some tier. And then he did a win-loss, or sorry, a win-plus-or-minus number for all 16 teams. And unless Izzy has some kind of algorithm going or something that he figures out what the accurate thing would be, like does he follow the trades, then I don't know how accurate long-term he'll be able to make that without them being some really easy plus-minus bets. And that's not Izzy's fault. It's not like Izzy's like, oh, Izzy's dumb. Like he, he would never be able to do that. It's just that when you're one person and you have all these little nuances that you have to take into account when it comes to play like creating a bet for people to put money in. Because you have to treat it like you're an actual casino. I don't know if one person has the time to do that. And if I was head officer, if I was if I, if I was Izzy, actually, I would I would try to appeal for some kind of system where you actually have Multiple people who can figure this stuff out to reduce the workload from one person to multiple I don't have any specific recommendations I think the only recommendation I would have is is waiting the bet not just one to one like you have a fifty to fifty chance of this being right so you get your money back hundred percent I think it should be weighted based on how many people bet something so if <clears throat> there's a win loss or there's a win uh, plus or minus that seems really really low and so everybody bets the over then if everybody's betting the over you don't get as much money as if you bet the under and I understand that like people aren't going to bet immediately if that means that they picked one that's not going to give them as much money but I think that if you tried it for one year that people would still put bets in because if they think it's an easy win it's free money They'll take the money, even if it is a little bit less. But that means that if somebody bets the opposite way of what everybody's saying, just as a hunch, and it ends up getting right, then somebody's made a bunch of money. I think that'd be cool. I am not say- I don't think that's not really a, a bad thing for this year. This is the first year. Just start off slow. That's smart. But in the future, I think that's something that should at least be considered, because that'd be kind of cool. And if not, you know what? I'm gonna keep putting money in. I love betting. I was I was mad that I could only bet for two teams for the the first one. I wanted to bet for every single for every single plus minus. I want to put all my money down. I got like 140 million dollars in the bank, man. Let's like, let's go. Like that's the thing is like I don't like gamble in real life because I have no interest in trying to um, risk my own finances. Other than like you know the for like. The, the stocks like with 401k and stuff. So this is like the way that I can actually have some fun with the gambling itch. But yeah, it's 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 fantastic and I'm so excited about it. <clears throat> now as far as the bets I did make, I don't remember. I forgot. <laughs> I got so excited about the whole thing. I put a bunch of bets on it, or I put a bunch of over and unders on there, and then I found out you could only do two, so then I removed a bunch, and then I forgot who I left. But now as far as all the bets. I kind of want to do go through it a little bit here because I'm curious to see. <clears throat> excuse me, how well these bets are going? So right now we have Buffalo Stampede with an over and under of 31.5 wins. Most people bet the over. We have 66.7 percent of the six responses with the over. Credit of 33 with the under. And Buffalo, I don't think is on pace to hit the over, which is a little bit concerning for the people who bet for Buffalo. Let's see, 16 divided by 27 times 50. Yeah, they're going to have 29.6 wins, so they'll have ideally with this streak, give or take, 30 wins. That was one that I think when I looked at it, I wasn't entirely sure of, because once you get in the above 30 range of wins, then things are really a lot harder to reach on a consistent basis. So I think that any bet with over 30 with thirty wins is one that you would always take the over. Statistically, I think. Just because you don't see that happen as often as you see people in the 20s. So I think the people who went the over were a lot overzealous. They thought that because Buffalo is such a stacked team in TPE, that they were just going to run roughshod. Which... If you look at two seasons ago, or three seasons ago, I think Buffalo missed the playoffs, despite having one of the most stacked rosters in the league. So, for those of you, the the four people, I think, who went in the over, I'm a little surprised. And I think that was a mistake. Now, for the Manhattan Rage, theirs was 30.5. And Manhattan... This is one of those. This is one of the ones where I think it helps to have multiple people because I think I don't know exactly um, what precedent he had to put them at such a high level. I think Manhattan probably has a lot of guys who are starting to get into their prime years. The younger kids are starting to get a little bit older, but I think Manhattan was pretty bad last season, from what I recall. Let's just check it out here for one second. Sorry, I'm sorry for the typing, but um, I mean, Manhattan had 25 wins. They were 25, 23, and 2. Are they really a 6-win improvement team? I don't think so. I think most people were in the same boat. 8 of those of the 12 responders were on the under. And right now, Manhattan has 8 wins. So they need 22 wins. I'm sorry, they need 23 wins in their last 24 games. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, whoever whoever voted for the over on that, say goodbye to your million dollars because that ain't happening. That one is down. For those of you who voted the under, um, well, enjoy your extra million dollars. Well done. Although, whoever voted the 200K, who the hell? I wish I knew who voted for the 200K, because if that was the, the the under, then, wow, you just lost out on 800K that you could have gotten for free. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised, I mean, not I, not that surprised how many people responded. I think that being so many people is unsurprising, because I think that was one of those bets where it was, it should have been, it seemed like it was clear that that was a, a little bit of an overreach on the casino's part. And then again, with the idea that they'd be weighted, then that means that those 75% would get a lot less money, which I think is is good, because then I think fewer people would go after that one, and they'd go for more tenuous bets, which would make it a little bit more interesting, because you'd have a little bit more risk involved. I think more risk is good with gambling. You want people to be risking their money more than just putting money into a bet that's super easy and then making money out of it. You don't want to incentivize people to make bets 50/50 bets when they the 50/50 is really not truly a 50/50, which I think was the case here. Then we have Toronto with the over and under of 28.5. Um, we had 13 responders, and 92.3 went with the under. Now, how is Toronto doing this season? They have 13 wins in 27 games. That gives them a average of 24 wins if their current pace keeps up. So they're well under. Now, this one I at least kind of understood... Because out had 28 wins last season. It could imp- they could have improved by one win. So that makes sense to see people going potentially with the o- on over. But I think that maybe, again, maybe this is one of those reasons why the f- one-person system is a mistake. Because when I look at that number, I understand the number. I think the number makes sense. But then when I look at the responses, 92.3 of the responses were under so maybe i'm the one who's out of touch but again one person you know if you have one person they have a little bit of a blind spot and then a bunch of people are like oh that's an easy bet obviously under so i'm actually kind of surprised i'm really surprised at how lopsided this was and the fact that that 92.3 is is so right on this but i don't know I mean, they have. They can still get it. Twenty nine wins. They need twenty. Or I'm sorry, they need sixteen wins in twenty three games. Tall order, but it's possible, I guess. All right, uh, number four. We got Hamilton with a over under of twenty one point five. We have nine responses. We have seventy seven point eight going with the over. And all things considered, I can see why twenty one point five is very low. I think. Hamilton, despite their season, they still had 18. And I think once you're at the bottom of the league and you have even 18 wins, there's almost nowhere to go up but up. So I think this might have been a little bit of a conservative estimate. Um, but with Hamilton at 18 wins now, they need three wins. Sorry, four wins in their next 23 games to hit the over. So this, this is almost in a guaranteed over uh, result. So 77.8 of the nine responders are going to get uh, their money. And the wagers are all over the place, so I'm not even going to comment on that. So then we have bet five, Minnesota, with the over and under of 20.5. And we had a considerable amount of people (laughs) going with the under on this. And I I don't blame them because Minnesota had the tampering charge, they lost the pick, they lost the ability to sign any free agents and their rookie goalie was suspended for the season. So, when you when you talk about kicking a team when they're down, this is a, this is the epitome of that. Now, Minnesota actually might get it though. They're at 13 wins in 28 games. Right now, they're on pace to beat it. They're on pace to go hit the over. So, they could be making three of the four responders not very happy here. But then again, at any point, this team could collapse and then not hit their over and just fall behind, by hit maybe 20 wins or 19 wins. Right now, the West is in a very interesting spot. Because it seems like 13 wins in 28 games is not a lot. But they're in the playoff spot. So this is going to be one where it's going to be down to the wire, I think. And for those of you who those who did the under are going to be very nervous. I am kind of surprised there was only four responses. Maybe people thought this was a trap bet and just didn't want to touch it. I don't know. Bet number six. New England Wolf Pack with an over and under of 27.5. New England had a lot of bets. 20 responses, which is kind of insane. And almost everybody did the the under. 18 of the 20 did the under. Not 8. Yeah, 18 of the 20 did the under. That's pretty crazy. Um, Now, why was 27.5 the over-under? Because season 2047 had them with 19 wins. I think pegging them as a 9-win... Improvement? As like a possible bet? I... Man, I I feel like that's another one where like, yeah, you had a little bit of a blind spot, unfortunately. And it's kind of proven... As much right now with... The, the Wolfpack with only eleven wins, eleven to twenty-seven right now. Yeah, they're on pace for twenty wins roughly. So they're well below the over on this. So this is virtually a guaranteed under. I'm sorry, yeah, under. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Maybe this is somebody who's just like, eh, screw it. Maybe I'll just you know bet the under or the over on it. Um, but. Yeah, that was one of those ones where it just seems like it's a little bit easy to vote the under on that one. Because, yeah, making that much of a swing, is it's hard to justify, if you ask me. But Then you have number seven with the New Orleans Specters, with the over and under of 32.5. And this was split between the two responses. Not many people were really that interested. I'm actually kind of surprised because... 32.5 seems high New Orleans had 33 wins so they'd have to keep pace or do better to hit the over on that and right now the Spectres have 15 wins in 28 games that actually might be oh not even close they would not even be close right now so the one person who did the over mm-mm, not going not gonna to be good yeah, they're, they're on pace for, like, 27 wins. So, I guess, yeah, I'm kind of surprised it didn't get that much many looks, because I think that was an easy under. But, yeah, uh, Spectres definitely will not be hitting the over for their bet, because they need... Uh, what is that? 18, 18 wins in the next 22 games? That's quite the... that they need to be on to do that. All right, Tampa Bay with the over and under with 18.5. Only five responses. Um, I think that this one seems like it should have been an easy over. Not an easy over, but at least one that you'd be safe to say that you'd have a good odds of hitting the over because that's a low number. Anything below 20, you start to get... It's like just like with above 30. Anything above 30, you start to get in that, that area where it's really hard to hit the over on that. And same thing with below 20. You get below 20, it's hard to hit that, that under. Because, I mean, last season, Tampa Bay was not good. They had 16 wins. But that was the only team... Them and Hamilton were the only two teams with under 18 wins. So by putting that under so low, you're giving them, statistically, at least from last season, a 1 in 8th chance of hitting that under. And surprisingly, but surprise, I'm sorry, but surprisingly, um, what's 40% of 5? Is that 2? Yeah. So, yeah, 2 out of the 5 responders said they'd be going under. But right now, it's not looking like that's going to happen. Because Tampa Bay is in third place in the East. They have 15 wins. So they need four wins in their next 13, 23 games. That's probably a guaranteed under. So, there is that. But congratulations to Tampa Bay. If they can make the playoffs, then, hey, good on you guys. Especially after the rebranding and all the stuff with Seattle, you know. Good on you guys. Now this one's an interesting one. Bet number nine, West Kendall Platoon, over and under, 34.5. Yeah, that's that's a high number, man. Like, the further away you get from 30, the harder it is to justify voting the over. I mean, West Kendall had 36 wins last season, which is great but how many teams do you see that have that many wins consistently? It's almost like you're having to play the Law, law of Averages. Like, so I think that's just too much. And right now, West Kendall has 18 wins in 27 games. Since I'm not very smart at math, I'm actually... Ooh, 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 ooh. This one could be interesting, though. Right now, they're on pace for th- roughly 33 wins. So that would put them two wins below... over-under. Or at least two wins below the over. They're, I think, a long shot to make it still because it's harder to win than it is to lose in this league. But they could still do it. So those who are in the under, I mean, 16 responses, all with under. Nobody voted uh, bet the over on this one. Those 16 are not guaranteed yet to get their money back. So I think the further along the season goes and the closer Wes Kendall gets to that 34.5, the more those guys are going to be sweating. So this is probably the bet to look out for for the rest of the season. That 34.5, because Wes Kendall has a shot. I think the odds are against them. I don't think they'll do it if I'm having to bet one or the other. But it could get interesting down the stretch. And since I'll be gone, I'll be able to just take out the standings. So I'll be on my boat, <laughs> drinking beer and checking this out. And I'm curious if those people who bet might, you know, mention that they bet on this. Cause I kind of want to just like tag them in and say, hey, whoa, they're getting closer, getting closer. That's kind of why I want to like, I'd like there to be like the ability to bet as much as you can. Because what if somebody bet their entire bank account and then lost it all <laughs> in one of these bets? How amazing would that be? I mean, you lose everything, but it's also not real. So how big of a deal is that? Um, anyways, the bet number 10, Los Angeles Panthers over and under of 21.5. Hmm. This is one I think I actually was going to bet the over because I thought 21.5 was a low number. But I know that they were putting me in one of the top line spots and I only only have like 750 TPE right now. So it was one I think I I shied away from because I think that even though I was confident in the team doing better than 21.5 because that's a pretty low number, I was concerned that the under was going to happen. So this is actually a pretty decent uh, level or number to give them. I think Los Angeles is on pace to not hit that. Yeah, they're on pace for 20 wins, roughly. So they're close. This is another one that's close, but only three responders. All went with the under. I think they're relatively safe. Because I think down the stretch with with Los Angeles doesn't have any reason to be competing for anything. They'll probably put guys like me maybe in the first line, give them more ice time. They might trade a couple guys away, and it'll be even worse for him. So that one's a pretty a pretty safe bet, if you ask me. Even if it's a little bit close right now, I don't see Los Angeles going on any kind of big streak, especially since the team's been like one, had one one in one sims consistently for the majority of this season. Bet number eleven: the Edmonton Blizzard with the over and under of thirty two point five. Another high number, and I don't agree with it. And what a Edmonton have? They had 33 wins. So, even... Yeah, like I said before, I think if you get... If you're in the, the 30s in wins in one season, it's less likely to get that number of wins or more the following season. So I think once you're in the high 30s, you need to start dropping that number down for an over-and-under bet. And when you're in the, tw- like the below 20s, you need to start moving that up for an over-and-under bet. If you ask me, at least. Um, and I know nobody's asking me. And right now, Edmonton has 12 wins in 27 games. And that's not a 32.5 season. I don't even have to, to couch, crunch the numbers. They have to win, what, 11... I'm sorry, 21 games in the next 23. Uh-uh. Not gonna happen. Also, if my math is wrong, if I'm saying they have to win X amount of games in... They have to win X amount of games in X amount of games left. And that's completely wrong. I feel like my math is off. That just seems way too wrong. But yeah, 32.5, uh-uh, not happening. So I'm actually kind of surprised that there were even people who voted on the over for this. Potentially excited Edmonton fans or Edmonton people. I don't know. All right, getting to the home stretch here. Bet number 12, Calgary Dragons with an over and under of 31.5. Five responses. Everybody went with the under. That seems fair. Calgary had 28 wins. No offense to Calgary, but last season, as far as their run, I feel like was somewhat of an anomaly. I think that with Asa, anything can happen, but I think that rebuilding teams have Cinderella runs all the time. And I think to think that their rebuild is over and they're just going to start winning 30 games consistently now is a mistake. I think this is one of those easy bets. And right now the Sim is kind of bearing that out because Calgary has 13 wins in 27 games. If you extrapolate that to 50, you have 24 wins. So they are well below that threshold. They need 18 wins in 23 games to hit that mark. And I doubt that's happening. Not with the roster that Calgary has right now. Even with Ace's amazing line combinations, it, it's just not in the cards to to get the over on that. And that's what the five responders agreed on. All right, bet number 13, Texas Renegades, over and under 28.5. I'm not surprised there was only one response because this is one of those where it's really a difficult choice. Because, look at Texas from last season. They had 26 wins, so a three-win improvement in the mid 20s is not unheard of, and people fluctuate all the time. So, <clears throat> the fact that so many or only one person decided to bet on this is not surprising. That's a hard. That's a really difficult bet to make, which speaks to the fact that this is a really good number that they put out there from the casino. So, props to them. Um, right now, Texas is not going to hit the over. I don't think they they have twelve wins in twenty six games. They'd have twenty three, so they're well, yeah, well below. So we have one person who went with the under, and they're probably going to get that one million dollars that they bet on. <clears throat> bet number fourteen: San Francisco Pride over under twenty six point five. <sighs> Another hard one. I'm actually kind of more surprised that so many people responded to this one because I think this one's almost more difficult. It seems like a lot of people were very... Not excited, but they were very... uh What the hell is the term for that? I don't know. Um, They had a lot of hope, I guess, that San Francisco would hit that over. And right now, I... They could be close. 13... Yeah, they'd be close. They'd have 24 wins. They'd be three wins below the threshold. But they get a win streak here and there. Things change, so this could be an interesting one. I think that right now it's not really in the cards, so those those 87.5 who bet the over will be definitely gritting their teeth for the majority of the season until they actually get really, really close to that threshold. But it's definitely possible. And I'd be curious to see how this one goes. This is actually this is a pretty decent number, I think, to start with. Um. But we'll see how it bears out. All right, bet number 15, Chicago Syndicate, over under 26.5. That seems really high. I understand Chicago, you know, is on the up and up, so to speak, but 26 wins. I mean, Chicago had 24 last season. But was that not an anomaly? Do we think it was? Do we think it's not? I mean, we saw the draft. Chicago was going long-term strategy. They're in season three now. Are they ready to start taking the next step and actually winning a decent number of games? I mean, 26 points or 26 wins is putting you in the mid-tier of the East I don't know if Chicago's a mid-tier team yet I mean right now and we only have one response though and that one's an an over so maybe I'm out of touch here with the one person but then again Chicago has 10 wins so far oh my god can I calculate it please (sighs) yeah that's that's a pace of like 19 wins not even close So, maybe the casino jumped the gun. Maybe Chicago's just not having a really good season. All right, now the last bet. Number 16, Winnipeg Jets over under 22.5. Four responses, all of them over. This one seemed low. I mean, Winnipeg missed the playoffs last season with 22 wins. So... A one win improvement isn't a huge or a, a huge leap. I think that this could be. I mean, I think a big part of it is that I'm seeing Winnipeg Jets as like the monster that they used to be that won, you know, Stanley Cup in season 30, whatever, season 40 something. <sighs> but that just seems low. I mean, everybody, all the four responders said over. And right now, Winnipeg has oh, where are they at? 18 wins. So they'll they're good. This is definitely gonna be an over, so that'll be a, a, a guaranteed um over for the, the finale of the finish on that one. But those are very interesting um bets, and I, you know, have some opinions on them, but I'm curious to see how they Go next season, and I'm curious to see how the ones that I mentioned go this season. Now, as far as the odds to win the cup, I didn't even touch this one because I really do not know. Um, teams with let's actually just go through the teams that have um certain odds. So we'll start with the eight to one odds, we'll go with the teams that have the least amount of chance to win a challenge cup. Um, Hamilton Steelhawks. Had fifty percent of um, there were six responses for the teams with eight to one odds, and three of them were voting for the Steelhawks. Now, Steelhawks are first in the East. This is an interesting bet because Hamilton is the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, and they have a good chance to win the Cup if they keep at this pace. And I don't know how much they they wagered. If they wagered $1 million, that's an $8 million turnaround. That'd be fantastic. So that'll be an interesting one. Minnesota is actually in the playoffs. They still are in a sh- They have a shot. You got one guy voting for Minnesota there. So it's got a shot to get it. Then you have Los Angeles, which I'm actually kind of surprised only one person voted. I'm actually surprised anybody voted for Los Angeles because... Los Angeles was in a rebuilding mode. Like, everybody knew that. There was no way Los Angeles was making the playoffs. So, I don't know who voted for that, but alrighty. Uh, then you have Tampa Bay, who is actually in a playoff spot. So, out of the four teams with 8 1 odds, at least the four teams that were voted on, three of them still have a shot and are likely to make the playoffs. That is an interesting situation. And Izzy, do not take this to this result to heart if one of these teams wins the Challenge Cup. Because I don't think anybody would have disagreed that these teams would be, at least in the lower odds. Maybe not Hamilton. Maybe. I don't know. So, but it's an interesting thing that Simon T does these kinds of things uh, to uh, people's playoffs hopes and dreams. Now, the team's with the 6-1 to one odds. We had eight people chime in on this one. San Francisco had 62.5, which would be what? Six? That sounds about right. So six of the eight. No, that's not true. That's five of the eight. Uh, went with San Francisco Pride winning the Challenge Cup. San Francisco is in the playoffs right now. They are in a wild card spot. And they're only up by one point to the person team that's below them in the standings, but they have a shot. I don't think 62.5% is a good, ac- a good measure of um, people who think that San Francisco should win the Cup at the stage, but who knows? Then you have, with one response, New England Wolfpack, who are not in the playoffs. They're down six points, and uh, that's a long shot. So that's going to be one where it's unlikely that New England is going to be winning the Challenge Cup because they're not going to be making the playoffs, most likely. Uh, Chicago did not get any votes, even though Chicago is... Nope, they're not in the playoffs. Never mind. And then you got Winnipeg. And Winnipeg is first in the West. So you got two out of the eight voting for Winnipeg in this one. Another interesting bet. An interesting thing that we're going to have to focus on when the playoffs start. Because if Winnipeg keeps it up, and they're in the playoffs, and if they're first, oh boy, somebody's going to be licking their chops to see them win this. Maybe not so much as whoever voted for the Hamilton Steelhawks for the 8-1 to odds, but still. Imagine if it was Winnipeg and Hamilton for the Challenge Cup. Could you imagine that? 6-1 to odds against 8-1 to odds? Someone's getting paid. In that case, <laughs> now the next tier, the four-one odds. Calgary got a lot of play in this one, and I'm a little surprised. Maybe not. Shouldn't be that surprised. They didn't make the Challenge Cup finals, but yeah. Um, this is actually a lot of responses on this one. Twenty-six responses. How many people got two to one? Twenty-three. So. This is an interesting one because Calgary is in the in the playoffs still. They have a good shot to have home ice advantage. And with Aces Magic, anything's possible. So I'm not sure how this one's gonna go. Very curious though. But a lot of people who could be making some decent money. Four to one odds is not bad. I mean that's a four, that's $4 million dollars coming back with you after for a one million dollar bet. Manhattan Oof. You got What's seven point? Uh, so you got two people who voted for Manhattan Rage, and Manhattan is not looking like they're anywhere near a playoff team, let alone a Challenge Cup team. So those are two bets down the drain. <laughs> Texas is also out of the playoffs. They're down only two points though, so they could make the playoffs. Now, are they a contender? Not looking like it, but it's possible. But again, not looking like it. And then you have the Toronto North Stars, who are in the last wildcard spot. You got one person who voted for them. Don't know. I don't know uh, if that one was a good bet to make. But I guess they got a shot. They'll make the playoffs most likely. But who knows. Now, 2-1 to odds. This is where things get interesting. We have a pretty even distribution of people who voted in this bracket. You have 23 total responses. You have West Kendall with, I'm sorry, you have New Orleans with the most with 30.4, and New Orleans is up there with 32 points. They are second in the West. So that one could be, you know, a a decent, you know, extra mil that they could get. Uh, West Kendall is in the playoffs as well they're second in the east so again we have kind of almost the same situation going with um, winnipeg and hamilton who were long shots to win the cup but it's on the other side of the spectrum they're two to one odds and they're second in their respective conferences but then you have the buffalo stampede who are in a wild card spot right now they're in the first wild card spot in the east with 34 points and they could, they could jump, so they definitely have a good shot and, and anything could happen. And then you have Edmonton with three. And right now they are just shy of a wild card spot with 27 points compared to San Francisco's 28. So they could make the playoffs and could win the Cup, but right now, hard to tell. But... It'll be interesting to see how these uh, numbers evolve since we're about halfway through the season. Still a lot more hockey to be played. All right, that was a long one. I'm Oh my God, we're already at over an hour. I'm kind of surprised I was not expecting this to be longer than an hour because I was just asking questions here. Um, uh, Slappy asks again, since uh, for those of you who have been following along, Slappy is asking the questions here right now. Uh, he asks... Uh, talk about the two most recent Hall of Fame inductees and how that all went down. Um, I talked a little bit about the inductees. the How it went all went down, I can discuss a little bit more in detail. I'm not going to name names, but there was a little bit of a infighting situation with regards to the Hall of Fame because we had some votes that I did not like. Uh, John Ross got two votes, um, who I don't think should have gotten any. Evans was given a second place vote, who I don't think should have gotten any second place votes. I think I think he was a unanimous first voter. Um there was a ballot that had Zach Evans, which at first, which was good, then John Ross at two, which I think is insane. Um but then you had Jason Anacalio, which meh I mean, I don't think third makes sense, but at least is a decent, you know. He, he, I think he should have been getting some votes. Then Manius and Mikolina, which, eh, mm. but then there was uh, another ballot that had Ross in it, and I don't recall where it was. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, one of the members of the head office or Hall of Fame was asking about why Ross was getting no- nominations, and he kind of pointed out one of the members. And then this one person was like, oh, yeah, he's made terrible nominations all the time. And then the guy responded saying, like, hey, listen, he was a beacon of light during the couple's runs. And we're like, no, it doesn't make sense. And he was like, well, it kind of does make sense. And we're like, no, we disagree. And there was a little bit more of a heated discussion with regards to that. And most people had Manius and Evans up high there. I'm kind of sad that Durden did not get in just because he had 33 points. But it was only on six ballots. I mean, if he's on one more ballot, he's probably in. That's too bad. I'm not sure if Jordan Durden would have been on my ballot. Well, was he on my ballot? Let's find out. He was. He was not. He was third on my ballot, behind uh, Evans and Manius. But eh, whatever. There's always a little. There's always one or two guys who are a little bit against the grain and you know vote not what everybody else thinks, which is is good in certain contexts, but you got to justify it at least. And I think in this case, the guys who voted for Ross didn't quite justify why they did. Which, I mean, was an issue. Um, uh, next question. If there was one rule change you could make in the SHL, what would it be and why? Asking for a friend in head office. Uh, I mentioned it before, the don't be an asshole rule. Kind of like a general catch-all for people who are trying to toe the line and being real dicks about it and trying to, you know make things worse for other people in the community so keep that in mind just as an idea you know don't you know if you want to put it in there you know just tell them that i thought about it i don't know (laughs) um and the next question with the recent and ongoing influx of new podcasts around here what can we as a group do to support each other and make sure everyone has an opportunity to succeed Uh, I mentioned this in the Discord for the podcasters. Um, I think we should have a general questions thread. Not removing all the other questions thread, but one that just gives people the opportunity to ask general questions that anybody can answer. Mainly because I think that some people don't get questions while others do. Like Big Slappy Hour, for instance, gets questions out the wazoo. They have so many questions that they're like an hour and a half on average, I think, at this point. And I think that a lot of other people don't get that because not nobody knows who these podcasters are, so they don't care. And that's just the way it is. I mean, you're you're cutting your teeth, so you're trying to find ways to get attention, but I think that by giving people questions to answer, even if it's not directed specifically to them, it helps them grow the podcast and get them to understand how things work, how to be better as a podcaster or a broadcaster or whatever. And everybody wins in that case. So, yeah, you get pointed questions for specific podcasts and then general questions for everybody. I think that right there is a simple solution that would go a long way into improving the podcasting scene, so to speak. And then your last question is, having recently left the Juniors for the second time, how was the experience? Anything you think should be adjusted to make it easier for our newer members to even our recreating ones? Or even our recreating ones? Uh, I mentioned this in the last podcast that, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy the community. I'm glad that everybody makes the playoffs. Everybody gets a chance to kind of have that playoff fire. Um... I, I can't think of any major changes that, you know, I'm, it's been, a, it's already been, you know, a little bit since I've been a part of the SMJHL. Once I, once Vancouver was eliminated, I kind of just immediately turned my uh, focus towards the SHL in, in Los Angeles. But yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what the the best way to make things easier because I think it's we do the SMJHL does a good job already. I mean, I'm trying to do my best with the the uh, prospect tournament every season, even if it, I didn't get a lot. I, I got barely any feedback this season, which was unfortunate. Um, but I'm going to keep doing it because I think that if, if one player can, or if one person can get involved more because of that, then great. Um, but right now I think I'd be the wrong person to ask because I enjoyed my time with Vancouver. I enjoyed the SMDHL. So I'm kind of I'm sound as a pound. With regards to the way the organization is, is done in the SMJHL. But Slappy, thank you for the second batch of questions. I apologize not getting to your first batch sooner. I'm sorry you had to wait an hour and 15 minutes or so to get them from me in this one. Uh, now we got Penn Knight who has some interesting questions. First question is, I seen a king return or sighting just about 15 minutes ago. Your thoughts. What? Question number two. What is your next play-by-play idea, or are you just going to roll with another video game? I am going to roll with another video game. People enjoy it. It's a fun little uh, experience live, and... I get my 8TP, 8PT, 8TPE, so I see no reason to do anything else. Question three. Do you think they should open the casino during the middle of the season and let the suckers lose more money after tweaking the lines? I don't think that they should allow people to bet on preseason bets during the season. I think they should. They, there's an opportunity to make more bets Maybe like game to game bets that'd be cool, but I do not think that they should make bets based on the success in the middle of, or from the previous the beginning of the season, and then make more bets or other people make bets in the middle once things are starting to become decided. I think that's a mistake. And then the last question is: and Evans are now head office. Your thoughts? Good for them. I'm kind of sad I didn't get to get in the head office because I applied but uh, if somebody was going to be put into the head office those two are great candidates so hope hope looking forward to seeing what they do in the head office because uh, they have a lot of good ideas and they are very active in the community so makes sense that they would they would get picked for the head office um pen night thank you for the questions really appreciate it Slash ass rank the top five goalies in the league based on player performance, personality, and reputation. Dude, I don't even know. It's it's late, and I'm already an hour in this one. And I was expecting to have many hard-biting questions. Um, Ask me at the end of the season, and I will give you a better answer after that. I really apologize, but um, that's the best I got for you, unfortunately, at this point. But... um, yeah, those are all the questions. I am very surprised the questions f- took me over an hour to answer. But for those of you who listened, I really appreciate the patronage. And um, I'm probably going to be posting this in the morning tomorrow or the afternoon tomorrow or Sunday. What Sunday the 30th. I'm sorry. Sunday the 1st. Um. But I'm going to be on vacation all week, so I probably won't have a podcast for the upcoming week. Um, So um, I hope everybody else, everybody has a good 4th of July. Those in Canada, hope you enjoy your regular Canada Day while the people down south in the states blow crap up. But until then, we'll see you next time.